Alrighty, guys, this is your boy A1 Hoops tapping into your notification box with another episode of the podcast. How have you all been? Uh, we are about three to four games into the season, and let's go ahead and just talk basketball. Now, the first thing we're going to be discussing, and by we, huh, I mean me, because it's just your boy on here. <laughs> but the first thing we're going to be discussing is the Brooklyn Nets and the issues that they have been having. Now, the first issue is obviously Kyrie Irving. But I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We already know about the situation with Kyrie Irving. Let's talk about the team in itself. First of all, Joe Harris, that man must have lost his powers or something. He can't shoot at all. He's been completely and utterly trashed since the season has started. Nicholas Claxton, that man needs to get some physicality. He needs to get his physique up. He's simply not physical enough to deal with the opposing team's bigs. Uh, He struggles down low. Quite frequently in the lane, especially when they're bet when there's a loose ball. I mean, he's just simply getting out muscled. It's not really a matter of size because he does have the size. It's just a matter of the fact that he's just not physical enough. And like I mentioned with Joe Harris for the season, this man is shooting 34% from the field, 34% from three. He has a true shooting percentage of 47%. This man is an absolute brick. He's completely non-existent on the defensive side of the basketball court, mainly because he has a very small wingspan. Now, Kevin Durant, on the other hand, is probably the only bright spot about this Brooklyn Nets basketball team. Now, he's currently averaging about 31 points per game, 31, 6, and 10, around there. Just, you know, slight round up, slight round down with a true shooting percentage of 63%. He's been doing Kevin Durant things. His free throw percentage has been a little bit off at about 77. But point, case in point, the Nets are just not consistent right now. Uh, James Harden is, this rule, the rule change, and that's something I'm actually about to get into in a little bit, but the rule change has definitely seemed to have affected James Harden in a negative way. We can tell that he's trying to go for the, he's trying to draw fouls that he used to draw, you know, back in Houston or even as recently as last year, and the refs are just not having it. They're not giving him the calls that he's so accustomed to getting, and that's going to at some point in time, he's just going to need to adapt and change his game. And instead of looking for the foul, he just needs to go ahead and look to finish the shot. Look to, you know, shoot and not worry about landing over somebody or anything of that nature. He just needs to focus on getting buckets because at the end of the day, James Harden is one of the very best scorers we've ever seen in the history of the NBA, especially any one-on-one isolation type situations. So as far as the Nets are concerned, there's no way they're title favorites right now. I'm just going to be, I'm going to keep it very blunt, very honest. Defense is completely non-existent. Uh, Joe Harris forgot how to play basketball. Nick Claston is pretty much their tallest player, and he he's getting out-muscled and out-rebounded. Kevin Durant, like I said, he's pretty much the only light spot on his basketball team. And James Harden is absolutely non-existent. Um, he's been passing very, very well. That I will say. Uh, I believe he had like 14 assists in his last game. But as far as scoring the ball, I mean, he's not even getting 20 points. I don't think he's dropped 20 this season yet. Um, I'll have to check on that. Uh, he scored 20. <laughs> he hasn't scored 20 this season. No. his first, The first game, he scored 20. Then he scored 15. Then he scored 14. That's not like a recipe you know, for winning basketball games. Uh, his last game was 14 points and 9 assists. He shot 5 of 17 from the court against Washington. 1 of 8 from 3. This is not the James Harden we're accustomed to. We need MVP level James Harden. He's going to have to just get over it and adapt his game to the new rules. And that's pretty much where I'm going with that. Now as far as the Kyrie Irving situation. Yes, I mean, it's very well documented. He doesn't want to play because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Um, originally... 
we were hearing that he was going to only play on the road. So basically, he was going to play 41 games for the season. The Nets said, hey, you know what? We don't want a part-time basketball player. And now, as a result, Kyrie Irving can't be allowed to play at all um, until he gets vaccinated. And that's something that Kyrie Irving just simply doesn't want to do. At the end of the day, we have choices. It's not against the law to not get vaccinated. Look, I understand. I'm not here to you know, take a side or whatever. At the end of the day, you do what you want. Right. He understands the consequences of not getting vaccinated, which means he can no longer play for the Brooklyn Nets until that gets changed. Now, people are killing him and saying that he's being selfish or, you know, he doesn't care about the game of basketball or he's not thinking about his teammates. But at the end of the day, he feels like the vaccine isn't what's the word I want to use here. Like he just he wants to do his own research about it. He wants to do it. He wants to get his own information about it. And then he will go from there. We keep on bringing up Kyrie Irving every day as if Kyrie Irving is doing something new every day. He isn't. We're just people keep bringing him up just for clicks, just for views. I mean, I guess that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm bringing up Kyrie Irving. But just to address how he's being so unfairly treated, let the man live. He's going to come to his own decisions. Um, Yes, the Nets could definitely use Kyrie Irving's services, but that's just not going to be possible at the moment. And that's pretty much how I feel about that. Now, moving on, next up, I'm going to be talking about the issues with the media. Now, the perfect segue. Boom. There you go. Look, the top 75 all-time list just came out. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of snubs. Kyrie Irving didn't make it. Uh, I believe Damian Lillard did. I believe Dwight Howard didn't. Um, The way the media works is, and this is kind of a huge flaw, is that whenever they're talking about two players, the first thing they jump to is just comparing their accolades. Right? Oh, this guy has more All-NBAs than that guy, but how come he didn't make it? That's not how you talk basketball. Because at the end of the day, even a non-basketball fan can go on Google and tell me who had the most all-defensive teams in NBA history. Or they can go on Google and tell me that uh, Gary Gary Payton had more all-defensive first-team selections than Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Does that, make your, does, does that mean you're a better defender? It doesn't. Because at the end of the day, all defensive teams are just what you did that season. They're not meant to be a comparison between two players that didn't even that weren't even contemporaries. They didn't even play against each other. Gary Payton didn't win not one all-defensive team selection over Kawhi Leonard. Why? They played about 20 years apart. Uh, Gary Payton was a defensive player of the year in 20... No, I'm sorry. Gary Payton was the Defensive Player of the Year in 1996. Kawhi Leonard was the Defensive Player of the Year in 2016, 2015. About 20 years apart. How are you going to talk about accolades between two players who never even saw each other on the court? It doesn't make any sense. At the end of the day, accolades are just a measure of how successful you were, I guess. How accomplished you were. I guess they have some sort of standing for, you know, your Hall of Fame status. But to say accolades is how you determine one player is better than the other, which is what the media does all the time, that's very lazy. And it shows that not a lot of people on that show actually know how to to debate basketball. I have no problems with bringing up accolades as a term or as a way of showing how special a player was. Like, hey, you know, this player, he did this, he did that, he accomplished X, Y, Z, he made this many teams. Cool. I had no problem with that. But when you're using accolades, which is what the media does all the time, to push one player above the other, where is the thought process behind that? You're basically saying because this guy got more votes than everybody else he played against versus the other guy who didn't even play against that guy, that was very confusing. 
I'm gonna go back to the Gary Payton, Kawhi Leonard situation. Let's assume Kawhi Leonard never got a Defensive Player of the Year. He's still a better defender than Kawhi, than Gary Payton. You see what I'm saying? Just because he didn't win a Defensive Player of the Year versus his comp, and Gary Payton did win a Defensive Player of the Year versus his comp, doesn't make you a better defender because at the end of the day, he didn't win it over you. He won it 20 years before you. You weren't even you weren't even in the NBA yet. You were barely a kid. You was a child at the time. See what I'm saying? And regardless, many people will tell you that Gary Payton didn't even deserve the Defensive Player of the Year. Now, personally, I'm of the mind frame of I feel like the, the Defensive Player of the Year should be split into two awards. I feel like there should be a big man Defensive Player of the Year, and there should be a like guard or wing Defensive Player of the Year, a perimeter defender of the Year, I guess, something like that. That way, you know, you're not... You're not selecting out for height because, in other, way, in other words, you'll always have a big man win defensive player of the year. And it's like there's a lot of smaller players that also make great contributions in their own way. So that's why I feel like the award should be split. Topic for another, topic for another day, another discussion. But basically, that's my biggest gripe with the media is that when this all-time 75 list came out, they were immediately just throwing accolades out. Oh, this. Oh, that. He won this. Why is this guy here? Why is that guy there? And it doesn't make any sense. At the end of the day... If uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but I heard Dwight Howard wasn't on it. That's nonsense. Now, you can say, oh, yeah, he won three defensive player of the years, but that's not why he should be on the list. Dwight Howard should be on the list because he's one of the best interior defenders the game has ever seen. At his peak, he was a literal double-double machine on every given night. And sometimes it wasn't even with points. He can literally, like, I'm pretty sure he had a double-double with blocks and rebounds. I'm pretty sure he has a game like that. He was just so dominant on the inside, and people forget about his Orlando days. He literally, at one point in time, was in the discussion for one of the very best players in the league. His peak was simply ridiculous. He was a complete wall, a physical freak of nature, extremely athletic, fast, nimble. Um, And he literally got his team to an NBA Finals where they took a game from Kobe Bryant and company. He literally eliminated LeBron James in a playoff run. See what I'm saying? I'm breaking down the things he actually did on a basketball court, and I'm not bringing up things like accolades. I'm telling you, he was that good. He was one of the best rebounders, one of the best shot blockers, just a great overall defender. He had an insane peak. He was one of the best players in the league for many years. Got to an NBA Finals. I'm not using accolades to talk about Dwight Howard being a top 75 player, but the media will just do that. Matter of fact, when, when the list came out and then he didn't make it, Nick Wright, the first thing he said was, oh, three-time defensive player of the year. That's, is that all your argument is based on? Did you actually watch Dwight Howard at any point in time? Because he didn't break down his game not once. See what I'm saying? And that's just my biggest gripe with the media in general. Now, moving on, let's transition to the Los Angeles Lakers and specifically Carmelo Anthony. Um, hats off to him. He played exceptionally well against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I believe he had like 28. Um, he passed Moses Malone on the all-time scoring list. He is now ninth all-time. And I feel like nowadays Carmelo Anthony is pretty much underrated because he's built sort of a bad name for himself, especially after the whole Houston situation. Um, he played like, what, five, ten games for the Houston Rockets, and then they cut him. Um, he was out of the league. Like I feel like we've forgotten that. He was out of the league. He wasn't even... We thought we might never see Carmelo again. The Portland Trailblazers pretty much took a huge gamble. They threw their hat into the mix, and they took a chance on Carmelo Anthony. And he showed that he could be accepting of a new role, of, of a different type of task, not being the star player like he always was in New York, like he always like he always was in Denver. He showed a different side of himself where, you know what, I can swallow my pride 
and I can just play about 20, 25 minutes a night and still be very productive because at the end of the day, Carmelo Anthony is one of the best three-level scorers we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. He's a former scoring champion. That year in 2013, he beat out Kevin Durant and averaged, what, 28, 29 points per game? And he, he was just simply lethal at all three levels. And no one ever talks about his other facets of the game. Yeah, he's not a great playmaker, but he was a great rebounder. Uh, he was definitely a great rebounder for sure, especially in the off- offensive side of the court. Uh, he could hit his free throws. He had an insane basketball handle, a, ba- a great basketball IQ. The, the pump face, the moves, the shot selection. He probably has the quickest release I've ever seen in NBA history. I don't think anybody has a faster trigger when it comes to their jump shot. He just catches it. Boom, it's just so smooth. Not to sound like ball don't stop or anything like that. But Carmelo Anthony, he just passed Moses Malone, like I just said, for ninth on the all-time scoring list and a great performance against the Memphis Grizzlies. And to be honest with you, he won that game single-handedly. Russell Westbrook didn't do much that game. Anthony Davis didn't do much that game. LeBron hit a few shots, especially down the stretch. I believe he had eight points in the fourth quarter. Um, Carmelo Anthony was just special that game. It, it felt like we were watching New York Nick Mello. Like the early Nick days, Denver Mello. Like people don't remember just how insane he was during that time period, um, especially th- that early New York days. I mean, he even got an MVP vote over LeBron James, which is why he didn't get that unanimous MVP in 2013. Which I know I just discredited accolades, but let's be real, LeBron did deserve unanimous MVP. But I'm bringing that up to show that at his peak, which is around that time period, he was that good that somebody actually gave him an MVP vote. He was that good. Um, like I mentioned before, the three-level scoring, his ability to just catch the ball in the post and just turn around, pump fake, triple threat situations, and just score so effectively. And he's still able to do that now. Um, we had a lot of questions about his fit with the Los Angeles Lakers prior to this this season even starting. Um, but he's low-key the best shooter on the team. He's He's gotten so much better as a catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, I mean, that's just ridiculous. He was never really that prior to this. And when I say prior to this, I mean like around his New York days. He was more of like a shot creator. But he's gotten so good at just catching the ball, shooting, and it's just it looks comfortable. He's just out there stroking it. Pause. Not like no Kyle Korver or anything like that. But he's still he's he's just exceptional, and I, you love to see that from a guy like that because if we're being honest, Carmelo Anthony is a fan favorite. Nobody really hates Carmelo Anthony. There are people who underappreciate him, but for the most part, I think everybody can. Watch a Carmelo game and just be impressed, especially during his peak. He was like that. The Lakers, though, however, are pretty much inconsistent at this point. I believe an article came out where they were ranked, not article, I, I believe they're ranked 20th as of this recording in the power rankings due to their inconsistency. They've been playing very big, you know, with people like AD, Dwight, DeAndre Jordan. And for some reason, they're still not doing great. Re- they're not doing great at rebounding the ball. And they're not even playing great defense either. They gave up 119 points to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, They gave up 40 points to John Morant, whose main thing is attacking the basket. And that's why you have AD, DeAndre, and Dwight for. And yet, John was eating all night against the Los Angeles Lakers. So there's definitely, I think most of this, you know, early stuff is just them shaking the rust off. I'm sure they're going to improve and get better down the line. But the Lakers, as of late, have definitely not been playing like the Lakers we thought they would. But... Like I said, we're only three, four games in. They play tonight. We'll see where it goes from there. Now, moving on. There's no way I can just mention John Morant and not continue talking about John Morant. John Morant is that guy. And I can make a whole 40-minute episode about John Morant. In his first game, season debut of this this past season, the season that just started. You know what I meant. Uh, 37 points. 
he then went on to face the Los Angeles Clippers. 28 points. He completely destroyed the Los Angeles Lakers defense two days ago. 40 points, 10 assists, double-double. John Moran is coming. He's taking that leap forward. I've been saying this since his rookie season that I would rather have John Morant and Zion Williamson. I'm still sticking by that. Because at the end of the day, John Morant offers more to a basketball team than Zion. Zion, for one, can never stay healthy. So that's the best ability in basketball in, in any sport or any field is availability. Zion Williamson is never that. John Morant is. John Morant has more assets to his game than just scoring the ball. When you talk about Zion Williamson, he can't defend at all. He's not a great rebounder. Definitely not a playmaker. I mean, he has decent handle. He can bring the ball up for you. He can initiate a little bit. But as far as being elite, he isn't that. It's pretty much he doesn't have an outside shot at all. Now you can say the same about Ja, but as far as this season is concerned, he's been shooting relatively well. And it seems like he's starting to get better at shooting the basketball. Uh, I can actually pull that up as I'm speaking. But when it comes to John Morant, he looks a lot more comfortable with shooting the basketball. And that was a knock against him, uh, especially in his first season and second season, is that he was just unwilling to shoot. Defenders would give him space. And instead of pulling up and shooting it, he just refused to or he would just pass it off or he would just attempt to drive the ball. But this season, he's actually starting to turn that around, and he's shooting more often. As it sits right now, he's shooting 44% from three. He has a true shooting He has a true shooting percentage of 67% and a field goal percentage of 58%. He's averaging 35 points per game on a season, 35 and 8 to be exact. I mean, what more can you ask for? Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, this is only a three-game sample, but you have to watch the games because this doesn't look like it's just some streak. He's legitimately playing with a lot more aggression, but it's not like a Russell Westbrook type of aggression where he's just, you know, having low IQ. He's playing very, very smart basketball. He has a turnover to assist, an assist to turnover ratio of about two, which is pretty good. Um, he's making great decisions with the basketball. He's making great reads. His playmaking has always been elite, but that's that right there is why is what separates him and, and Zion Williamson. The fact that even if Ja isn't scoring, he's still creating opportunities for his teammates to score with his scoring gravity. Because let's let's keep it real. When John Morant gets into the basket, when he gets to the paint, you ha- as a defense, you have to collapse. Because this man can literally jump. Like he has at least a forty eight inch vertical, and that's being generous, at least. It's at least 48 inches. So when he gets to the basket, you have to send your, your defense down there. If not, he's dunking the ball every single time. Now, because the, he, the, because he's drawing this defense, he's, it's, he's leaving. The other team is leaving his teammates open, and John Moran is consistently finding them. We saw against the Lakers just a few nights ago. He, he got double teamed by, I believe it was DeAndre Jordan and, and Anthony Davis. I don't remember who the two defenders were. But that double team, they literally left Steven Adams right Right, wide open, below the basket. Ja faked the shot, and boom, just delivered a crisp pass. Steven Adams dunks it for two. So it's possessions like that. It's plays like that that make John Morant so special. And that's what separates him from a guy like Russell Westbrook. Now, this is not shade or no shade at Russell Westbrook because obviously at the end of the day, Russ is one of the very best players ever. But the thing about Russ is that when he gets angry, he kind of has tunnel vision. When John Morant gets aggressive and decides to take over, he's not playing with tunnel vision. He's still very conscious of his teammates. He still makes great reads. It's starting to seem like he's starting to shoot a lot better. His form was always there. It was just a matter of repetition and confidence. And it seems like that's what he's doing now. So, honestly, the sky's the limit for John Morant. I've been saying this for a while, but I feel like at his peak, 
when he get because he's not in his peak yet, ladies and gentlemen. This man is only twenty two. I mean, I'm twenty two. He's the same age as me. This man is not in his peak yet. Neither am I. Best belief. And if he keeps going up like this, he's trending towards being an MVP caliber player. I truly believe that with every ounce of my heart. I feel like at his peak, he can be like a 26, 27 points per game with like eight, nine assists per game. Like, I feel like that, that he can end up around that level, which is roughly MVP level. Um, I think the Grizzlies are going to the playoffs this year for sure. Uh, I believe they're th- two and one or three and one on the season so far. Um, but I think they're going to get to the playoffs simply because of the efforts behind John Morant, just just off his improvement alone. And this, this Memphis Grizzlies team is pretty solid outside of him. Desmond Bain is good. Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah, he can take little ill-advised shots, but he can shoot, and he's good. Um, they don't even have Dylan Brooks yet, who's in, who's a complete lockdown clamp defender. We saw what he did to DeMar DeRozan in the playing game against the Spurs just last year. He completely clamped DeMar DeRozan. At one point, DeMar missed 11 shots in a row with Dylan Brooks all over him. And they don't even have him yet, and they're already trending as a good basketball team. So he's going to return soon. I believe it was in November. And then when they get him back, I mean, they got Steven Adams now, who's just a complete interior monster, especially defensively. This team is going to be real good and real oiled. They can be a seven seed easily. The Grizzlies are definitely going to surprise people this season for sure. Um, but that's pretty much it. That's all I have for you guys today. That was a quick episode. I just want to talk about a few things that were going on. Um, this is going to be a weekly thing now that the season is back. I'm going to be dropping episodes every week, sometimes with a guest, sometimes not. But with that out of the way, that was the next episode of the podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe, share it with your friends. Follow me on social media. If you aren't, that's at A1Hoops. Subscribe to the channel at A1Hoops. And with that being said, love you all. God bless. Stay safe.